0: All right, let me invite you to open your Bibles to uh, the book of Galatians, chapter 6. If you're using one of the Bibles we provided for you there, that'll be on page 975. And uh, we're in the second week of a three-week series called Together, and and really drilling down on why community groups matter at Redemption Hill. So there's going to be a lot of specific application to that dynamic of our church life. Now let me tell you about one of my friends in seminary who was really I would call for lack of a better kind of description a stud for the gospel, all right? So he took uh, his family, his his young family not been married too long, little baby, couple babies uh, already, uh, to Southeast Asia in a very unreached part of the world to be a light for the kingdom of God there in that, uh, in that area of the world. And so, so I think it's legitimate to say this guy was really committed to the cause. There was no doubt about that. But one thing that I don't think we could say about my, my buddy is that he is a romantic okay and let me let me explain what I mean by this, so uh, just before he and his wife were married, um, I find out through another friend all right we weren 't super close we were, we, were, we were you know acquaintances and, uh, and and I find out that he had plans to take his wife on a honeymoon, you know not to just think about where you might like to go, especially you ladies, n- not to the beach, okay, not to some you know remote romantic island not to you know some cottage by the sea or in the mountains he had a plan to take his wife on a four-week journey hike on the Appalachian National Scenic Trail this is it I mean and can you imagine how that that conversation goes hey baby pack up the tent get the bug spray we're going to go on a hike for four weeks on our honeymoon. I mean, how does, how does that work? Can you, can you, can you, who would do that? Would anybody else do that? you know maybe maybe one maybe one of, of us this morning so 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 that was that was his plan and i think you know hey i'm sure if we gave him a hard time about that decision but on the other hand i do understand that there were some strategic you know reasons behind that okay because what he's thinking was that hey i can spend some really really quality uninterrupted time with my new wife and we're gonna be able to journey together on this trail. Okay? And, and and we know that in the scriptures and all throughout the Old Testament, the New Testament, the, the, the journey of, of of our lives is 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 often put in those terms, right? It's a journey. We're, we're, we're on a on a path. And and so to be able to, to walk together. Is, is something that's so beautiful and, and something that, that's so necessary in life. And, and when we think about the church, that's actually what God wants us to do. He wants us to, 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 to journey together, to be on this, this, this trail together, if you will, toward all that He has planned for our lives. He wants us to be close. He wants us to, to do this thing together. And so that's what I want us to focus on this morning, what it means to walk Walk together. And here's the, here's the main encouragement I want to take away uh, this morning. And that is that we would develop authentic relationships where mutual care exists. All right? Develop authentic relationships where mutual care exists. This is what it's going to look like to walk together as a church. And what Paul is doing here in the book of Galatians, I just want to give you a heads up. He is, this is one of his first, probably his very first letter that he he wrote that we find in the New Testament. And Paul is really focused on the gospel. You see, the Galatians were starting to accept bits and pieces of false teaching that were essentially adding to the gospel. So Paul says, look, hey, the gospel is enough. You stick with that. It's, It's faith in Christ. Nothing else added to it that you need for the Christian life. And so he, he unpacks that in the first several chapters. Then as we get into chapters five and six, he starts to put some practical handles on what it means to live a life that flows from the gospel. And I want to give you a heads up here this morning. This text right here is a very others-centered text. Now, if we're being honest, so much of our Christian life, so much of kind of, Our experience in the church is not so much others-focused, but it's self-focused. I mean, do you see the way that our consumer culture creeps into the church these days? Perhaps this has even happened in your own heart. I mean, there, there are a ton of church hoppers and church shoppers out there. They just kind of bounce around from church to church, and they're asking themselves questions like this. Hey, what's in it for me? What what does this church have to offer me? How will I be blessed by that church? Man, do do, do I like the the preaching, the worship, the agenda, and on and on and on. We could go. But I think the, the tenor of the New Testament is that we should come pursuing God and asking ourselves, not the question, hey, what's in it for me? How much can I be blessed? But hey, what can I give? To this church? How can I be a blessing to these people? Not, hey, what's it about with my agenda, but what's God's agenda for this city, for this church? How can I come into the game and help be an asset to further this mission? And so this is where we're going in Galatians chapter 6. And I hope that that you'll see that this is about being a genuinely helpful Christian for the sake of others. And as we roll through these 10 verses, uh, an encouragement I want to give to you is from Jesus where he is quoted in the book of Acts as saying this, it is more blessed to give than receive. And if you've ever done anything nice for anybody, which I'd like to assume that you have at some point in your life, right? then you know that this is true. It's more blessed to, to give than receive. And there's going to be a lot of emphasis on what we can give to one another as we work through this text. So number one, uh, here's a way to demonstrate mutual care. Demonstrate mutual care through accountable relationships. All right? Demonstrate mu- mutual care through accountable relationships. Look at, look at verse one in chapter six of Galatians. He says this, Brothers, Let's pause. What does he mean by that? The Greek there just means siblings and a family, okay? So brothers and sisters in a family. Speaking of the spiritual family of God, he's saying brothers, here we go. If anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted, so, so when Paul is saying, hey, here, this is what, what's going on. If anyone is caught in any transgression, and the word caught here seems to imply that this, this very likely could be an unintentional sin. And we know from our own experience, man, there are, there are times in our life where we're just kind of going about making decisions, and we may have blind spots where we've just kind of naturally and very quickly justified our actions and gone about our business without even realizing that, man, maybe that wasn't so wise. And so Paul is saying, hey, look, you, know, you might have some blind spots, and you, but, but someone else may see it, and they need to pull you back to the path of God's wisdom. Now, if that's the case, if that's what's going on here, then arguing from the lesser to the greater, we would say, hey, if, if that's the case with unintentional sins, how much more should it be the case for just blatant, obvious, intentional sin in our life? So, so Paul is saying, look, if, 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 if any of you have stepped over the, the bounds of God's will for your life, which is what transgression is referring to, it's the picture of, of stepping outside of bounds of what God wills for us, then he says, look, you who are spiritual, you should work to restore your brother or your sister. Now, let's, let's break this down a little bit, okay? And I know, let me just go ahead and throw out there, hey, this idea, it already makes us feel uncomfortable, right? Like, man, I see, see, see a wrong in someone's life, man. Like, how could I go to them? Man, that's going to be awkward, they're gonna, you know, think, oh, here comes Mr. Or Mrs. Holier than thou. You know, like this isn't gonna go so well, Tanner. Well, just think about our options here. Okay, when we see a brother or sister struggling with sin, which I'm just gonna go ahead and just make the assumption that that will be all of us at some point. Here are our options. Number one, we can ignore it. Number two, we can, we can dismiss it, right? Ah, it's just, you know, they'll get over that soon. Not to be, you know, who's the, who are they really hurting here? Just kind of dismiss it. Number three, we could even take it a step further and justify it for them, right? Oh man, you know, they're really going through a lot. man. you know, just, it's, it's understandable why they would kind of, you know, not be walking so closely with Christ right now. Uh, so, so that's, that's another, another option. A fourth one, which isn't, Very good and wise as, you know, to even broadcast it. Hey, man, do you know that, you know where they went? You, You know how, you know, he talked to his wife? I mean, that's a fourth option. Here's the fifth and better option. To help that person. To not, to not dismiss it, not ignore it, not justify it, not broadcast it, but to help them eradicate that particular sin struggle in their life by lovingly talking to them about it. Hey, do you see what's going on here? Do you see how your life is measuring up against God's word and his will for your life? This, it's not the way to go. I mean, I, 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 maybe I've, you've been down the road. Man, I've been there. I could potentially be there myself one day. And, and, and so you come with humility. This is what it says here, that, that those who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. So it's having the the courage, being amongst, you know, a group of two or three people or a small group of people where where you're, you're intentionally saying, hey, hold me accountable, help me out, know that I am prone to wonder from God and sin in my life, and so I need your help to come to say to me, hey, I love you enough to let you know if things aren't, don't seem to be right between you and God and you and other people. And to put it in even stronger terms, I mean, you know what? We may need to say to someone, hey, you may not realize this, but I love you enough to let you know that the path you are on is heading down the path of destruction. Life apart from God is the path of pain, suffering, and destruction. We don't like to talk about that. but That doesn't make it less true. And so it's more loving for us to, to with humility and with gentleness and with, you know, taking the log out of our own eye, not being in a spirit of judgmentalism or anything like that, but just say, you know what, man, I struggle too. I deviate too. And I want to help you see, man, there's a better way. Come back to God's plan for your life. I mean, how many of us would have been so helped if someone, some brother or sister, would have had the courage and the love and the compassion to say, hey, come back. How much pain would it have saved us? How much shame, how much guilt before God would it have saved us if we would had that kind of person in our life? Who would say I love you that much? It says those who are spiritual. This just means someone that has the spirit of God dwelling in them. Someone who's been born again by the Spirit, who's following Christ, has faith in Christ. Someone who is indwelt by the Spirit of God and walking by the Spirit of God. That's the person who is spiritual. And the beautiful thing is, this person is not coming in in any with any sense of superiority. Man, they're just coming as a as, as a fellow kind of you know, traveler on the journey say, you know what, man, I've been there. I want to help you out. And what's the goal here? It's so clear in verse 1. He says that you should restore him. That's the goal. The goal is that someone would see their sin and repent of their sin and then be restored to God. And the word restoration there means restored to the original state, where they were before they entered into this. Practice your sin. That's the goal. To, 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 to be restored before God so that our hearts are clean before Him and in a position to glorify Him. You know, we just, this past week, from our text last Sunday, we meditated on Ephesians 4.15. Do you have it memorized yet? Rather speaking the truth than love, let us grow up into Him, in, in every way into Him who is the head, even into Christ. I think I got it close there. So, so, so we speak the truth in love to one another. And listen, what does it take? Here's a million dollar question. What does it take to live this, 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 this verse out? It takes the spirit of God dwelling in us and the word of God in our mind and our hearts. I mean, we're really good at complicating things. I'm really good at complicating things. Listen, it can be as simple as, hey man, I really care about you. Have you thought about this, man? Would you just kind of meditate on, on a, a couple verses here? See if maybe God would make them more true in your life. I mean, it's not, not very hard. It doesn't take 30 seconds. Now, of course, it may need to go much further than that to, to offer encouragement, instruction, and correction, and counsel. To, to, to walk with them and say, man, I know it's going to be tough. I know it's going to take some time, perhaps, but I'm willing to walk with you. So, So let me ask you this morning if. If you're in a community group at Redemption Hill, do you have a concern for each other's spirituality? Maybe to put it another way, if if you're in a community group, do you desire that everyone else in your group is thriving with God, growing with God? That's That's the goal. And even if you're not in a community group yet, yet, then, then is this your desire? I mean, I mean, I, I would have to assume, yeah, you, wanna, you don't want to see people struggle, right? You want to see people thrive. You want to see people flourish. I mean, what it would happen if we build a culture of this at Redemption Hill where people just know, and they just know, hey, I want what is for your good. I want to see you thrive. I want to see you flourish. I want to see you grow, move forward in the faith with God. That's the idea. That's why we do this, man. This is why we do community groups because we don't want people living this half-hearted Christian life that really doesn't reflect the real thing. That's what we're after. And so if if you haven't kind of tapped into opportunities to to live out your faith with other Christians that will help you along, that are committed to helping you along, committed to helping you progress in the faith, then let me just suggest, man, this is why we've created community groups. So that we can walk together, so that we can journey together in a smaller group. I mean, because the fact of the matter is, hey, it's great what happens on Sunday morning, but as our church is growing and continues to grow, it is not realistic to be walking together in a close way with 70, 80, 100 plus people week in, week out. It's just, it's just not realistic. Now, can it happen to a, a slight degree? Sure, absolutely, and we hope that it does. But we've created smaller groups that meet throughout the week so that we can do life together as a church. Now, here are just a few encouragements. Because I know, I know you're thinking, you know what, I've never done this before. I've never had the courage to to kind of step into someone's life and say, man, I'm a fellow journeyer with you and and I I, I struggle too, but I I see something in your life that that maybe you can think about and pray about and and ask God to change in you. Here, Here are just a few encouragements. Number one, what is the ground of everything we do at Redemption Hill? It's the gospel. The gospel. Remember the gospel. And what does the gospel teach us? It teaches us that God has a plan for all of our lives. That plan is to glorify him and to worship him with our lives. Number two, it teaches us that we all blow it. We all have sin in our life. We all deviate from God's plan for our life. We all rebel against God and don't worship him with our life. For those outside of Christ, for those even in Christ, we still struggle with sin. The gospel levels the playing field. We all have sin in our life. But the gospel also offers a unique hope that in Christ, we can all change. We can all be forgiven. We can all be washed clean. We can all have our lives restored before God and live this life that God intended for us in the beginning, where there is infinite joy to be had. Abundant life. A life that is worth living. And so, remember the gospel? Number two, practice transparency. And, and, and how do you do this? Well, it's just by being available to people, being approachable, and even being vulnerable. In our community groups, we talk about this. Hey, look, if you've never visited a community group, don't expect to show up the first week and you know, just feel like you have to pour out your life story. And you know everything that's, that, that, that you know, has happened, good, bad, and indifferent in your life, all right? We like to throw around the phrase we borrow from some, from from some friends in, in Washington or planning a church. Self-paced vulnerability. How's that? You know what? Just to say, man, yeah, I didn't have a great week. Let me tell you about that. Just give us a little peace, man. That's what we do. Just a, a step at a time, we kind of open one another's lives up to one another so that we can help each other along. That's the goal. And listen, if you're in a community right now, maybe you need to be the, the one that sets an example in this. Maybe you need to share a struggle, share a a burden, so that others might be more likely to do the same. And then thirdly, focus on the goal. Again, the goal is restoration. The goal is, as John unpacked last week, it's growth in Christ, growing toward maturity in Christ. And before we move on, let's ask the question, why is this so important? Well, let's skip down to verses 7 and 8. What does it say? It says this, Do not be deceived. I mean, can I, can I hit that again? Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. I mean, I'm just going to stop right there. God is not mocked. What does that mean? It means God is not mocked. It means that God is king. That we all have to give an answer before God for our lives. And he... he he runs the show. He's the one that determines what's right and wrong. And we, we will have to answer to him one day. So don't just think that, that, that God, you, we have to understand that God is both loving and holy and his justice demands that his, his holiness is satisfied and he does it through love. So he's done it in the gospel, man. Our, our sins can be forgiven because of his love that, that satisfies his justice. But let's not forget about his justice. Because God is too holy to sweep sin under the rug. We won't stand before him one day and say, hey, God's going to say, hey, your sin didn't matter. It's all right. Don't worry about it, man. Don't sweat it. It didn't really offend me. God's not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life so he's he's saying here look when when we make decisions that are are selfish according to the flesh according to you know our lives apart from God's grace and for him then we are going to reap corruption and let me just say that's that's going to prove true in this life and also the life to come But when we sow to the Spirit, when we we have thoughts and desires and actions that are in accordance with the Spirit, then we're going to reap life. We're going to reap abundant life right now. We're going to reap eternal life to come with God forever. So this is why this is so important. This is why we need to open ourselves up and welcome some serious accountability in your life. I mean, let me just speak. As a pastor, man, John and I don't have it all together. Josh, our leadership team, we don't have it all together. We want your encouragement. We want your prayers. We want your accountability. Why? Because, man, I do not want to stand before God one day and have him say, you know what? Tanner, you could have cleaned that up. You you could have lived for me in so many more tangible ways. God is full of grace. Listen, He is full of grace. He is full of love. He is quick to forgive. He's slow to anger. But He is also just. And we will give an account. So this is why when we open ourselves up to accountable relationships now, man, it is for our spiritual good. Number two, demonstrate mutual care through bearing one another's burdens. So, so how are we going to walk together? Well, we're going we're to show concern and care for one another by being accountable to one another, but also by bearing one another's burdens. Look at verse 2. What does he write? He says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Such a simple verse. He, he, he starts here in the Greek. If we were look at this in the Greek, the original language, is, it starts with the word one another, as if to emphasize that. Literally, one another be bearing one another's burdens. Be bearing burdens. So one another, be bearing burdens. So it's this regular, consistent practice that we are to help one another by bearing one another's burdens. I mean, is anyone, is anyone carrying a burden today? Anybody have a burden in life? I mean, perhaps you came in this morning and you were, you were pretty carefree, pretty felt pretty light about life but but what about a month from now what about 3 months ago i mean have you have you had any burdens in your life i'd like to post to you that that, that there are people right now in our church in your community group all around you who are carrying some pretty serious burdens it may be financial challenges it may be struggles on the job, or even a lack of a job. It could be um, just family challenges. You may have a, a family member, a friend who's really sick, who really, who really needs some help, really needs some, some prayer. You may have the burden of a of a tough decision. You may have the burden of special circumstances, even just practical, you know, rhythms of life. You're moving. You've got to unpack up your whole apartment and move to another apartment or you know, someone may have just had a baby in this church and their life is about to come unglued for a while. And so, you know, who's going to who's going to shoulder that burden with them? This is what the church is is here for. This is what what we're about, to help one another along by shouldering the Lord. And, and, and here's just some, some practical encouragements. I mean, how can we do this? Well, we can, we can just pray and let them know that we're praying for them. I was so encouraged this week to, to get an email from one of you. It just said, you know what? I'm praying for you today. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep it up. Even if it's imperfect, keep it up. And then a lot. Pray for people. Let them know you're praying for them. Spend time, listen, empathize, extend comfort. Mourn with those who mourn. That's what Romans 12, 15 says. do, Do you know what's going on in the lives of those around you? Maybe you need to spend more time with them. Maybe you need to get more involved in their life. Maybe you do need to make that phone call. Maybe you do need to go out for lunch or whatever. Go to ladies' night, Friday night. I don't know. And 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 then, you know, sometimes we we man, no one cares about me. Man, no one even no one even is is reaching out to me at all. Man, no one's here to shoulder my burden. Man, what's going on? Well, have you shared it with anyone? Have you let people know? I know our church well enough to know. Man, there are people who care. There are people who have compassionate hearts, man. They want to walk alongside of you. If you have a burden you're carrying right now, do not carry it alone. And when we do this, this is the beautiful thing. The text says, we fulfill the law of Christ. What's what's the law of Christ? Can you take a stab at that? Well, Paul just told us in chapter 5, verse 14, he says this, For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. It's love. That's the law of Christ, to love, to love others, to love those around you, to love your neighbor. And we only have to read the Gospel of Luke to find out who our neighbor is. Man, it's whoever's around us. That's that's the law of Christ, to love. Jesus said in John 13, 34, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. And Jesus won't leave it there. He kind of anties up the stakes, and he says, just as I have loved you, so love one another. Sacrificial love. Love that goes the distance. Love that perseveres. Love that is willing to be selfless and give, 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 give. When we do that as a church, when we do that in our communities, we're going to fulfill the law of Christ. 1 Peter one twenty two. I love it. It says, Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have a sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. So we, we, say, we say it again and again and again around here, but all of this, listen, all of this will flow from your relationship with Christ. If you are walking with Christ, you are going to be in a position to more faithfully fulfill the commands to love others. Got that? And that's what he's about to, to help us with. Is is that when 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 we are walking closely with Christ, that it will necessarily affect all other relationships in our life for the good. And so, check out verse three. He he tells us how to go about this, and just helps us with some practicals. He says, "For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself." So, in in other words, there there are uh, times where we have this inflated view of ourselves. And we don't want to admit it, but man, I am too good. My time, my agenda is too important to sacrifice for that person in need to help them with their burden. And so Paul says, have a sober view of yourself and realize that apart from God's grace, there is absolutely nothing for us to boast about whatsoever. we come and we say, you know what? Now I'm ready to help you with your burden. and I want to bear it with you. That is, that's what we're to avoid. Then verses 4 and 5 tell us to be responsible for our own actions. Again, pointing to the, the emphasis of, of really walking closely with Christ. It says, but let, let each one test his own work and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not his neighbor for each will have to bear his own load. Now, I know we just said, hey, it's not about boasting, so what does he mean here? Paul is just saying that we should give evidence of praiseworthy qualities in our lives. That's what he's talking about, boasting in, in your own work and not your neighbor. All right, Because I mean we, we know that he's not saying boast in yourself, tell everyone how great you are, you know, pat yourself on the back, throw yourself a parade. Because in a few verses later, in verse 14 of chapter 6, he's going to say, but far be it, For me to boast in anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world was crucified to me and I to the world. So so he's talking about praiseworthy qualities being present in our life. How? Why? Because we're shouldering our own load. It says that in verse 5, it says, For each will have to bear his own load. The point he's making is that we have a responsibility for one another, but we also have a responsibility for ourselves to walk before God and, and to, to, to answer to God for the life that we have lived. So let's demonstrate mutual care by engaging in accountable relationships through bearing one another's burdens. Man, I hope, you're, I hope you're in for this. I hope you're in. And then thirdly, demonstrate mutual care through doing good to one another. Check out verses 9 and 10. Let's read them. Uh, together, he says this, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. And so let me just, let me just say, okay, to, to, to make this explicit, this point covers the first two. All right? It is good to enter into accountable relationships. It is good to bear one another's burdens, but there is so much more to doing good than those two things. And so Paul's saying, hey, do good. Engage in good deeds. That's what Christians, that's who we are, it's what we do. To everyone, and he says, especially to the household of faith. Peter summarizes the life of Christ. Do you know this? He summarizes the life of Christ in Acts chapter 10 in a little sermon, and he says this. He went about doing good. That was the life of Christ. This should be our life as well. That we would see opportunities around us, and we say, you know what? I'll, I'll give my time to that. I'll give my abilities to that. I'll give my spirit change to that or more to that so that we can help those around us. And let me share. We have some some good opportunities to do good at Redemption Hill. Here here are just a few. Upcoming serve opportunities. I would really love, if nothing else, if you would just pray about some of these opportunities to do good. And again, this is not for ourselves This is for the sake of others. We have an opportunity to serve in Charlestown at the end of this month with kids' games. Many of you know that we're going to be supporting a new church that's going to arrive, their their core team is going to arrive next summer, and they're already laying the groundwork and serving their community. And so if you're interested in in helping out with kids' games, even if you can just offer a a day, not even five days, but a day or two out of your schedule to help go down to, to Charlestown, to love the kids and the families in that community It's going to be a great opportunity. Then soccer nights. Listen, this was an effort we started last summer, and it was a great, great effort. Man, we got our city's attention by just displaying the love of God, offering this free clinic to, to, to kids and families in Medford through, through soccer nights. And, 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 and let me just kind of show you how this works. We have the opportunity, this happened last year, and it's going to happen again this year, to give a brochure to every elementary school kid in Medford about soccer nights. So building on our attendance from last year and with that kind of opportunity, I mean, we are going to have plenty of kids coming. That means we need volunteers to make it happen. So this is, this is definitely a priority effort of our summer serve opportunities. Would you pray about helping? We, we do it at night intentionally for, for kids and their parents to, to get them there after work and so that our own volunteers can get there and serve. So one challenge you. Pray about helping with soccer nights. You will not regret it. If you do, let me know. You don't have to serve next year. All right, number, number, number three, community fun night. August 3rd, just one night where we're just throwing a, a, a kind of a huge party, blow up games, grilling out for, 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 for people in Medford that they might have a great time and find out that there is a church who cares about them right here in their city. Maybe they've never even heard of. These are some great opportunities that we have to serve together and do good to to everyone, especially to those who believe. So uh, as we wrap up, let me just ask a couple of important questions. How would you assess the depth of mutual care and relational oneness happening in your community group? I mean, if you were, if you were to grade it on a you know, traditional kind of school scale, A to F, how would you grade your community group in the area of relational depth? Do you really know one another? Do you, do you really walk together? How would you grade accountable relationships? I mean, you're, you're doing life together. You're, you're helping one another grow in godliness. What about bearing burdens? Is that happening? Are you serving one another by doing good? To ask that question another way. How would you assess the depth of mutual care and relational oneness happening in your life individually? I mean, are you getting below the surface, surface with people? Are you letting them into your life? Do you have strong, growing relationships with other Christians who can speak the truth and love to you and, and vice versa? Are you looking for these opportunities to to bear burdens with others around you so that they might progress in the faith? Listen, I just want to speak honestly here. It's, It's my assumption that if you're not regularly committed to Redemption Hill on Sundays, and if you're not regularly involved in a community group, then how you answer the last question could look a lot different. Does that make sense? If you were to grade your own life and you were really to get involved in other people's lives and say, you know what? Man, I need that. I want that. Because, I, 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 listen, if you're not involved in a community right now, it's, it's, it's okay. It's not the end of the world. We're just inviting you to it. Why? Because it is a context. It's not the only context. It doesn't mean you don't love Jesus if you're not you know, involved yet. But, but it is a context where you can really live out your faith, for the sake of others, to see them grow, to see them flourish, to serve together, to walk together in life. So what's it going to take for this to happen at Redemption Hill? It's it's certainly going to take time. Not a ton of time, but some time to tweak your weekly calendar to open up a couple hours a week. I mean, if you can find a couple of hours a week or even less than on a Sunday morning, our, our Sunday morning group isn't even that long because of, because of our time access before the service, I would love to see us see the need to to prioritize our time in a different kind of way. It's going to take effort to get to know people. It's going to take uh, relationships that are built on love and, and concern for one another. It's going to take a willingness to do whatever it takes to see another person grow. So let me end with this this statement here. Redemption Hill Church is a family, okay? A family committed to growing together by walking together. That's who we are. RHC is a family committed to growing together by walking together. I want you to to hold that in your mind and your heart this week. We're a family committed to growing together by walking together. And so I want to invite you to just kind of take steps as a family to see this happen in the life of our church. Let's pray. (coughs) Father, thank you so much for your word. And we pray that you would make these truths true of us. That we would see the opportunity to love one another, to fulfill the law of Christ by displaying this mutual care and concern, to to walk together by uh, living in accountable relationships and and bearing one another's burdens and and doing good to one another. Lord, I I thank you for how this is already happening in our church with those involved in a community group, with with those not involved in a community group. I know it's happening. We see it. And we give you praise for it. And Lord, our simple prayer is that you would make it happen more and more and more in the days to come. And that you would transform our church and that you would transform our lives by your spirit with your truth. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.